Right, all this digital stuff going on, cell phones and tablets, but my reliance really is on the Holy Spirit, I promise you. I have been so desperate for a touch of the Holy Spirit in my own life and in the life of the church, really just hungry for the presence of God in our meetings, in my life. I just want to hear testimonies like of real encounter. I'm, I'm, I'm personally just tired of function and form and, and going through the motions of church and, and religiosity and, and things like that. And I'm desperate. I really am desperate. I hope, I hope you guys are too. It's just a season of um, maybe it's coming out of COVID uh, where you, we had a lot of sort of lockdown issues, a lot of online stuff. And I just want the presence of God. I just want to really experience the presence of God. Um, and so, you know, Joe and I was, were talking, and it was also on his heart. And uh, I sense it's on a lot of people's hearts. So just how do we position that? How do we um, accommodate the Holy Spirit in our meetings where it's not hype, where it's not contrived, but it's actually just the person of the Holy Spirit? He's a person. You welcome him in, and he is allowed to minister to us. And uh, I guess I've been spoiled in my Christian walk. I've had opportunities, and I've experienced a lot of the presence of God in, in meetings. And so, you know, when you've had, had a taste of something, um, and you know it's just so difficult to accept anything less than that. And, uh, I mean, I've got this sermon ready to go. Um, yeah, but I, I want to almost put that on the altar right now and just, I want to really ask us, uh, sorry, I think this battery might be going because I'm coming in and out. Um, who's on sound? Where there? Um, is, this, is this the battery maybe? Because I, I seem to be going up and down. Uh, okay, cool. That's fine. No, no, I'll, I'll keep going. Um, I want to tell you, um, I'm going to, yeah, I've, I've got the sermon. It's going to, I've got 30 minutes, and if I try and stick to the sermon, we're not going to be able to do it all in one. But um, I just feel I want, to, I want to boost our faith. I want to put our faith in the Holy Spirit. I want to put our faith in Jesus, not in a sermon or a, whatever it is. So let me just tell you a quick little, hopefully, faith-boosting story. And this is not a formula. This is not... Um, something that we can try and model or manipulate the Holy Spirit into being because it worked once, now we're going to have it work again. I was in a church um, in Stellenbosch and we had invited um, a guest speaker out from Scotland. He was part of our partnering churches and uh, he came to visit with us and he was preaching through the sort of the weekend, Friday night, Saturday and the Sunday. There was a Sunday evening service. By the Sunday evening, there weren't many people left. There were students. It was a, more of a student church. And there's probably half as many people as there were here. And I remember he walked in and um, he greeted us. We sat down and he said, okay, we're just going to uh, let the Holy Spirit minister to us tonight. There was no m music. There was no little, you know, nice sounds coming from the keyboard. It was just a case of, okay, let's just stand and um, let the Holy Spirit start ministering to us. Cold, just like that. No, no warm-up, no worship. And I thought, ooh, what's this about? And I stood there, and we closed the eyes and put the hands out. 
and I, I didn't experience anything. And then he said, okay, sit down again, literally five minutes. Um, and he said, who, who experienced anything of the Holy Spirit? And two people put their hands up. And I turned around and I looked at them and I, and I saw this big air conditioning unit duct that was sort of coming down up just over their heads. And I thought, mm, I know what you're experiencing, <laughs> you know. And I was so cynical and I was so judgmental. And they said, yeah, no weeks. And they said, he said, well, what, what did you experience? And they said, oh, it was just for like a heat or a, uh, a, you know, a feeling. And I thought, oh, and my, my cynicism and my sarcasm in my head was just going over time. And then um, he said, okay, well, let's just stand again and let's just wait some more, the Holy Spirit. And um, I thought, oh, here we go again. This is going to be a long night. And uh, everybody stood up and I closed my eyes in faith and I put my hands out. And within about 10, 15 seconds, I felt like somebody was standing right in my personal space, you know, like right in your grill. And I kind of knew that wasn't anybody. I didn't open my eyes or anything. And then I started feeling very uncomfortable because this presence was right here, but it wasn't doing anything. And I said, okay, well, Holy Spirit, if this is you, I'm sensing you want to come closer, but if this is you, if this is you, Holy Spirit, you, you can come in. And it was literally like somebody just stepped inside of me like this, boom. And as he stepped inside of me, I felt this warmth and this love and this joy just start moving up from my stomach right up to my chest. I thought, this is, this is euphoric. This is amazing. But I'm going to bottle it because it's complete silence and I can't share anything. And this joy just welled up in me until it got into my throat. And now I was trying to bottle it because I just wanted to burst out laughing. But I thought, I'm going to look like a complete idiot. Everybody's in silence. And just as I can't contain it anymore, two people go down like, you know, like a tree that's just been felled. And they burst out laughing. I hit the floor laughing. And next thing, it's just mayhem. Everybody is like falling on the floor with this overwhelming joy bursting out of them that they can't contain. It was so not contrived. It was so of the Holy Spirit. It was so real. And I, I knew that this was not something that was hyped up or that was conditioned. It was a move of the Holy Spirit. And for the next five minutes, I could hardly breathe. I felt like my ribs were about to break. I eventually had to crawl behind the sound desk and hide under, behind the curtains. Because I thought, I do not want to be somebody who is putting on a show. Um, not that I was, but I couldn't contain it, but I, I didn't want to be distracting to anybody. I didn't want to be an offense to anybody. Um, visitors, I didn't know. I just thought, let me get out of here and try and contain myself. And uh, I hid behind these curtains, laughing with such joy, just coursing through me for probably 10 minutes. And then when I gathered myself together and I got up, I came back to my chair Mr. Together, while everybody else was still sort of on the floor. And um, I thought, you know, I'm going to be, I'm going to be respectable. And as I sat down in my chair, it was as if somebody just took a, a, a lead baton and just knocked me on the head. And I just fell off my chair. And there I lay, kind of paralyzed, not paralyzed completely, but I just lay there in like this complete sort of lump of, of kind of just, yeah, I, 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 was, I was, yeah, very respectable. And I think that was the thing. It was just, um, I was watching people walk past and I was thinking, this is crazy. I feel like I'm drunk. I feel like, I've, you know. And that night, there were three people who reported afterwards that were healed of depression. <sighs> the Holy Spirit really ministered to us so deeply in a way that we could never do. No sermon. Um, I, I can't tell you what happened to me. There was just a real sense that the Father 
the father's heart, his joy over his children, um, the, the unrestrained love and joy that he has over his church, um, that, that he can minister to our deepest wounds. And wherever we are, he can, he can do things that no surgeon can do, no psychologist can do, no counselor, no friend. Um, and it's that that I grieve for in the church, that the Holy Spirit would come into the church again and be allowed place and respect and honor to witness to, of, the, of the love of God, to confirm his joy over us, to work healing into our hearts, into our minds, um, rid us of deception, and um, even if it's wrong attitudes towards each other or Jesus or God, or his church. And I really feel like we, we, I want to encourage us, can we in our personal time, can we expect on the Holy Spirit? Can we be knocking on his door saying, Lord, we need you, we need your presence. We want your presence. Please can we encounter you again? Can we, can we get that hunger up again that, that we may have settled for something that is just not all that he has for us? Can I encourage us to press in? Where, where we might feel distant, we might feel like he, the, that we have to drum something up. He's here. What Audrey shared is that it happened 2,000 years ago. You know, intimacy is a choice. And it's like this. It's like a banqueting table that has been set before us. Um, we have done nothing. We haven't bought the food. We haven't prepared the food. We are invited to the table. And we can come as Christians who are invited to the banqueting table. We are in the, the, the wedding chamber, well, the wedding feast, um, banqueting hall. We're in. We're Christians. We're saved. And we can be at the banqueting table, and we can just not be eating. The, the, um, our favorite foods are before us, and we're going, oh, no, I'm not worthy. I don't think um, it's time yet. I, I, I don't know. I haven't heard a word from the, from the Lord yet. Um, I don't know if I can eat. He's invited us to the banqueting table. And the thing is, Jesus has prepared the banqueting table. He's invited us and we've accepted the invitation. And he's made a way to the banqueting table 2,000 years ago. And the banqueting table represents intimacy. The Holy Spirit allows that intimacy and, and, and um, accommodates for that intimacy. But it's up to us to enjoy the intimacy. So when people say, you know, what blocks intimacy? Um, you know, well, it's prayer. It's spending time in the Word. It's this, it's this. I want to say that those are things that will never create intimacy. Intimacy was created 2,000 years ago on the cross. That was created. That's the wedding. That's the, the banqueting table. But it's up to us to enjoy that intimacy that already exists. So if we feel that we haven't had intimacy with the Holy Spirit or with the Lord, and we feel, and people say, oh, I'm so distant from the Lord. I feel so far away. And then you say, well, what, what are you going to do? Well, I need to get into the Word more. I need to pray more. Maybe then, maybe in three months' time, when I've gone through the book of Isaiah and got my prayer life up to like half an hour every morning, then I'll have intimacy with the Lord. And I want to say that is a lie. You enter into intimacy immediately. There is nothing stopping you to enter in. It is, it's been done 2,000 years ago. We can... We can be in a place where we have sinned right there and then. And if we turn our hearts to Jesus, repent and say, Lord, help me turn away from this. 
Immediately we can have intimacy with the Lord. Immediately. It has been done. We can enjoy that intimacy. We don't have to work our, ourselves up. And uh, it really is my heart's cry for us to understand that the Holy Spirit is more willing than we are for that intimacy. It's not something that we have to try and convince the Holy Spirit of. And I think the only thing that blocks it really is our unbelief, our lack of faith to go, do you really want to connect with me? Do you really want to be present in the church? So it's a challenge to you around intimacy and the presence of the Holy Spirit. And I'm way off my notes now. Um, but I hope that is encouraging to you because we, we can't settle. We can't afford to settle for the lie that this is all there is. There's always more. There's always more. Okay. <laughs> how do I transition back into my notes now? Well, I was wanting to talk about how the Holy Spirit leads us into all truth. And a lot of the times the Holy Spirit, we, we, when we, we think of that, we think of the scripture, um, John 16, 13. If you've got that ready, Shoshana. Let me just move this a bit so we can get a proper view of it. Thanks. Right, so... This is Jesus speaking, and he says, But when he, the Spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will only speak, he will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is to come. Um, and that is a, a trust and a, and a hope that we have that the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of truth, will guide you into all truth. And I think sometimes we can approach that scripture with a bit of a religious mindset that we'll say, okay, so the Holy Spirit will guide us into all truth in Scripture. But I want to I say that the Holy Spirit sees you as a whole person, and He wants to guide you into truth in all of your life, in all aspects of life. He wants to guide you into the life of God, which is more than just knowing your Bible or teaching you how to pray. The Holy Spirit is interested in truth in all its forms. And we have such a real enemy in the sense of lies coming to us in every single shape and form. And I'm going to throw a few things out here, just make it interactive, um, because the church has battled from day one. We see it in the scriptures, false teachers. We see um, the lies. We see uh, things that are affecting the church, um, pressures from government, we see the church under deception, and we see the Holy Spirit's job is to lead us into all truth. And so w when I'm thinking about all truth, there's obviously an enemy. He doesn't want us to know the truth. He wants us to stay deceived. So I think the first thing might be to really just um, acknowledge that we have an enemy and that there are sources of deception, Areas that come against us from knowing the truth and being set free. So who can think just of a few sources, um, places where we receive either information or influence, where we become deceived? What are the threats? What are the sources of deception in the church? We know the world is deceived. We know that there's a sort of a veil over their eyes. They can't see the truth of the gospel. They're under a strong deception. But for us who are in the church... Where does our deception come from? Where are we deceived? Chris, I love the fact that you like nailed it from the top because that's so important. We, we, we kind of think that it's going to be out there. It's going to be from government legislation and you know the Antichrist. But so much of the deception is right here in the church. We're wrapped up in religiosity. 
in strongholds, traditions of men, things that have crept into the church that are just not of God. And I speak for the whole church, not just any one denomination or arm of the church. And it's in, it's rife. Um, and I want to almost talk about hyper-Christianity as well as a form of religion that um, Chris mentioned, is that we can go onto the internet and we can pick up uh, any topic, we can type it into YouTube, and you're going to get 400 different influences. And I would, I would say many of them are after a name for themselves, preaching what their tickling ears want to, people want to hear. It's unreliable, and you're more than likely going to, degree by degree, move into deception. What else can we think of? Our minds. Well done, yeah. That's, that's in my notes. I've got a, I've got a scripture for that. <laughs> Thanks, Glenn. Um, I was going to say I've got an app for that, but it's, <laughs> it's a scripture. Um, yeah, it's our own fallen nature. Our minds deceive us. We want to hear what we want to hear, right? Um, let's see. Um, yeah, if you can put up maybe James uh, 1.13. Okay, so when tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But here we go. But each one is tempted when by his own evil desire. And where do our desires come from? In our minds. Our own evil desires. We are dragged away and enticed. Then after desire is conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. We have such carnal desires. We'd love to think that we are completely regenerated, sanctified, um, but... We're not. We have fallen minds. We have carnal, fleshly cravings and desires. We are not there yet. We are work in progress. God loves us. He doesn't despise us when we fall short. He, he's there. The Holy Spirit is there to encourage us. And uh, he, he loves us as, as we are. But let's acknowledge the fact that we are fallen human beings with a sinful nature that by the, hope, uh, the help of the Holy Spirit... We are overcoming. But our minds is a battlefield. Our minds is our, um, something that we need to take to the Lord every single day. And the thing is, we don't know what we don't know. And we don't know when we are not thinking straight. So I'm going to cover that in terms of how do we correct that? Where are the sources of truth? Because as a church, we can sit here and think about all the sources of deception that are coming at us and how to possibly resist those. But how do we find the truth? How do we triangulate the truth so that we can resist this deception? Um, can anybody think of anything else in terms of a source of deception for the church, for believers? Our hearts, yeah. Our desires, our minds. Hey, Amy, I'm glad you said it because I've got an app for that. <laughs> I'm going to give you a little bit of a case study for false teaching. False teaching has been a method of the devil a scheme of the evil one from the day the church is born because he realized he could not, he could not, uh, he could not win, he could not uh, overcome the church, so why not just corrupt her? And so false teaching has been one of the schemes of the enemy to come into the church um, and, and literally bring them degree by degree away from the truth. So let, let, me, let me just share a, a case study, something that I, uh, a few years back, there was a group of Christians that I was meeting with, um, and we were working into a certain area in the Cape Flats, and we decided, like, let's actually partner together and, 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 and sort of 
work with with this community and equip them and, and empower them so that they could actually um, be a presence in in that community and i started working with these guys and i sat down and, and one of these guys started teaching about the fact that you guys you don't need teachers you you have the holy spirit and i thought mm, okay i don't quite know where that's going but here i've broken it down and this was this was the setup so here's the setup so you can share john 14 26. okay so when the counselor comes the holy spirit whom the father will send in my name will teach you all things and remind you of everything so the holy spirit is going to teach you all things and remind you of everything all right the next scripture is John 3:16. Sorry, John 16:13. John 16:13 says, um, "But when He, the Holy Spirit, comes, the Spirit of Truth, He will guide you into all truth." Right. So here's the scriptures that were laid out. Now those are all true. Nothing wrong there yet, right? But here comes the switcheroo, right? He's now, he now says, "Okay, 1 John 2:26." So we know that the Holy Spirit is going to come and He's going to teach you all truth. But 1 John 2, 26 says, I'm writing these things to you about those who are trying to lead you astray. As for you, the anointing you received from him, the Spirit, remains in you, and you do not need anyone to teach you. And that's where he stops. He said, the Spirit's going to come, he's going to teach you into all truth, and look, you don't need anyone to teach you. So you don't need teachers, you need the Holy Spirit, and it's Scripture. So now people are going, wow, okay, the Bible says I don't, need, I don't need to be taught. I don't need anyone to teach me. And what he's done there is he's taken scripture out of context and he's done a switcheroo. And he's leading people away from the way church, the blueprint of church, and how church is to be built. Because the context of that scripture is that John is writing to the church where, verse 26, I'm writing these things to you about those who are trying to lead you astray. And these false teachers that come into the church, they were Gnostic teachers, and the Gnosticism in those days, they were, uh, the, 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 the teachers that had come to the church were saying, you need these mystery teachings. You need to say these, these, these words, long strings of sentences that they've unearthed these Gnostic documents. There's evidence of this that's well documented, that they would it was like casting spells and charms, but the words were unintelligible. And there, there was, um, you know, a whole complex um, way of having to reach God through these teachings. And it was mystery teachings. And, and you have to work through us. And we have the truth. And John's saying, no, 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 you don't need anyone to teach you anything else than what you've already received from us. There's no reason for you, for anyone to teach you. And in the context there, it doesn't have to, they don't have to say, you don't need to have anyone teach you about the Gnostic Gospels, because they know what this letter is about. I'm writing these things to you about those who are trying to lead you astray. The context there is Gnostic false teachers, and you don't need them to teach you. And we don't need false teachers to teach us either, if it's anything other than the Gospel. Do you see what this, what, how subtle this is? This is how false teaching comes into the church, and the reason we as believers are deceived is because we don't know the truth. And we can, we can, I can list another five or six areas and sources of deception that comes into us, but we can just compile a list and how's that going to help us? It's like the bank teller, if they have to try and tell the counterfeit every every month there's a new counterfeit note that comes out that they're not going to be able to keep up with it all they've got to know is the truth how does the real note look and feel and if they can't concentrate on that it doesn't matter what false um, note comes in they can detect it immediately and so let's not 
even though I've listed a whole bunch more in terms of deception, we need to um, understand that we have a source of truth that is stronger than the source of deception. And so I've got a few there. Um, Shoshana, you can take the, the scripture down. Thanks. Um, so who can, who can sort of put a, a, a shout out in terms of what is our source of truth? Where do we get our source of truth from? What is the source of truth that we need to rely on as believers? Scripture. Scripture, right? If we don't have scripture, we don't have a true north. Um, so we, we need scripture. What else do we need? Holy Spirit. Scripture, Holy Spirit. And what else do we need? I'm going to say Jesus and, and the Spirit is one, because everything the Spirit says, it comes from Jesus. So, but he, Jesus did say, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. The church. Each other being the church. Anything else? Prayer. I would say yes. I'd say yes. But let's say, let's partner that with the Spirit. Because we're praying in the Spirit, praying with the Spirit. We're empowered by the Spirit. That's good. It's prayer. But prayer is birthed in the Spirit. And the Spirit is in you. And we pray through the Spirit. So prayer is vital. So that's all I've got down is those three. The Spirit scriptures and the church and you can have any one of those or any two of those and you will be open to wide wide open to deception wide wide open okay i've got a scripture for that <laughs> um let's have a look let's have a look at acts 18 24. okay here was a man by the name of apollos he was from alexandria which is in egypt and he came to ephesus and he says he was a learned man with thorough knowledge of the scriptures. So he had the scriptures, right? Great. He had been instructed in the way of the Lord, and he spoke the great fervor and taught about Jesus accurately, though he knew only the baptism of John. Now, in Acts 19, in the next chapter, you'll see Paul unpacks what that means by him saying he only knew the baptism of John. By virtue of him saying that, what he's saying is he hasn't been baptized by the Holy Spirit. Okay, so he didn't have... A baptism of the Holy Spirit. Apollos began to speak boldly in the synagogue, but when Priscilla and Aquila heard him, they invited him to their home and explained to him the way of God more adequately. I don't know if you ever heard somebody who is passionate about the Scriptures, preaching the Scriptures, but just it's dead. There's no life in it. They need the Spirit. So there was Apollos. He had the church. He had the Scriptures. He didn't have the Spirit. And I want to say to you, we need all three. And there's, there's not just a sermon on each one of those, the church, the spirit, and, and scripture, in terms of how to get the truth. But there's a sermon series on each one. And um, I'm hoping that the Holy Spirit will be a sermon series soon. Um, but if we don't triangulate those three into a way of uh, finding the truth, we are lost. And um, I'm out of time now, so I have to, I have to think uh, carefully around maybe what story I can share about my own life in terms of where one of those may have been missing. Um, so, yeah, I, th I think, um, let, me sh let me share a very personal story. Um, I worked overseas for seven years and I came back to South Africa in 2004 and by, um, and I was 36 at the time and desperately trying to find a wife and really felt like um, I was called to ministry and I, and I had these 
ideas. Um, I'd been filled with the Spirit, I knew the Scriptures, um, and I met somebody. She was older than me. She had two teenage boys. She'd been married twice before, and we fell in love, and within three months we got married. Eighteen months after that, we were separated. It was absolute mayhem. And I could go into the long story of that and how it ended in divorce, but the point is I had the Scriptures, I had the Holy Spirit, but the church wasn't operating as the church should be. I'm not blaming the church. I take full responsibility for my actions there. But there are times where we need to be brought into the truth, where it is uncomfortable, both before we enter into uh, and make life-changing decisions, where people can come alongside you and say, you're probably in la-la land. You know, you've been dating for three months. Um, what's attracting you to this person? Can we sit down and can we have an objective conversation? Can I help you into truth? And only after two years of counseling did I realize that I had deep, deep brokenness in me that was trying to find its way and find meaning and find whatever um, in saving somebody from financial destitu destitution and, and, and. And I had a lot of stuff that I had to work through that I would have just taken into the next relationship. But us as the church, we need to be loving each other enough to have hard conversations where we can bring people into the truth. And I could, I could tell that story for the next 20 minutes to, to hammer home the fact that if we want to bring people into truth and we want to bring people into wholeness, we need all three and church is not just the custodian of the truth of the scriptures. We want truth in all of its forms. How does it impact us in our lives? You know, is that the right good decision that you're going to take to leave that job and go here and do this? Like, let's have that discussion. And that's what I love about Josh Jen as a culture. We really invite that influence into our lives. It's a, a way that we, we live knowing that our minds are fallen that we have carnal desires that lead us away from what God wants for us. So I want to encourage you guys. Yes, we want to rely on the Holy Spirit to inspire us and lead us into truth. We want to find the truth in scriptures, but let's let the church um, love each other and help each other into all truth. Okay. So while we're just um, contemplating that, let's just stand and um, let this message sort of sink in and let the Holy Spirit come and impart some truth. It might be an area that he wants to minister to. It might be an area of brokenness. It might be an area that you haven't um, re received before, maybe joy. It might be something that surprising that the Holy Spirit wants to whisper in your ear. A truth. And, I, and I'll close with this, this story. I remember in a situation much like this, in City Bowl, we were, um, we were in worship, but it was a time of a lull and the music was just playing and we were standing like, like this, hands out, just open and receiving. And a very strong thought came to me. And, I, and it was very clear. And the thought was, you're always going to be alone. You're always going to be alone. And as I received that thought and thought it was my thought, I was hit with this huge sadness that just accompanied that thought. And I stood there with my eyes closed and I was in worship. No posture had changed. Nothing had changed, but within 15 seconds, somebody came up to me and said, I just feel compelled to tell you that Lord is saying, you're not going to be alone. And I thought, I just broke. I just wept. Because, I mean, the guy thought that he was having such a profound impact on me, but I recognized that here was deception coming. Here was a thought that was not of God and would have found a place in my heart. It would have been a seed. It would have germinated. I would have felt bitter, sad depressed, alone, and, I, and God knew 
and saw, because he knows our thoughts before they're even on our, our mouths, our tongues, before we've even spoken them, he knows the thoughts. And he thought, I need to, and this is where the church comes and brings truth. Right? There was truth. I'm happily married now. I've, I've, I've been married for more than two years, and I, and I can't tell you how blessed I am with Monica. It is, it is really, the two of us wake up often, and we just look at each other and say, how does it get like this? Like, how is it that we were so fortunate? And all I can say is I'm not alone, and that was a lie. But it took somebody to minister by the prompting of the Holy Spirit to come over and break through an awkward thing. Think of it from that person's perspective. They're having to come to you and say, um, I feel like you're, you're not going to be alone. And I could turn around and go, I know. Like, dude, what are you, you know? It took guts to feel the presence of the Holy Spirit, get that prompting, and go across to somebody and in love share something with them. So um, I want to say just in terms of how we're going to continue from here, we're not going to have the worship team back up. We, we, we love worship, but we're not dependent on it for the Holy Spirit to move. The meeting is going to come, come to a close. Uh, Louis, do you have something to share? Okay. Um, and we're going to let the Holy Spirit minister to us, and we can, if we would like to, minister to others. But can I just set some boundaries here? Please don't do anything directive. Don't, don't go up to somebody and say, I feel like the Lord is saying you need to such and such. Okay. Encouragement, but not direction. Okay. And um, if, you, if you want prayer, please raise your hand and people will come and pray for you, okay, if you feel you, you need prayer. But let's wait on the Holy Spirit and see if he wants to minister to us individually. Um, otherwise, if you don't need prayer and you feel like you've got nothing to share with other people, you are free to leave. There's a restaurant next door, serves great coffee and shawamas. Um, but we want to we press in. We want to be a people who says, here we are, Lord. Um, minister to me as I minister to others. Uh, and so... Let's let's with with all the noise going on and all the rest. Can we just can we just position ourselves? Just close your eyes um, in any shape or form, any posture that you want. Just open your heart to the Holy Spirit and let Him come and minister and say, Holy Spirit, we need you. We need you to come and minister truth to our hearts in all shapes and forms of that truth. We want to see you change our lives. We want. We want to open up ourselves to you. We want to be set free of all lies, everything that has shaped us, that has taken us degree by degree away from the truth. I know there's people here, I can just sense it, there's people here who are desperate for God, for a touch of the Lord. There are so many lies that are out there over each and every one of us individually. The enemy targets our weaknesses and he speaks lies over us. Michelle, the Lord sees you. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Lord. Come, Jesus. Walk amongst your people. Tap them. 